This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in today. Hey, joining me on today's program in the second and third segment of the program will be Dr. Charles Nenner. Dr. Nenner is the founder of the Charles Nenner Research Institute. He is a cycles expert. We're going to learn more about his work and get his forecast for stocks, gold, real estate, and the U.S. economy, as well as inflation and interest rates. And uh, you're going to be very surprised at his forecast based on his cycles research. All this month, I am offering a May special report titled How Evolving Money Affects Financial Markets. The report investigates and does a deep dive into the relationship between evolving money, devaluing currency, if you will, and how financial markets have reacted historically. If you'd like to get a copy of the report, as long as, along with some bonus information, uh, I would be very glad to send it to you. All you need to do is visit requestyourreport.com. Again, the report is available by going to requestyourreport.com. Let me know where to mail the report, and I will be very glad to do that. You know, maybe this past week you saw Ben Bernanke, former chair of the Federal Reserve, come out and was actually subtly critical of the current Fed. He also suggested subtly, in a roundabout way, which is how they talk at the Fed, that stocks and real estate may be ready to move lower. Now, this article is from Zero Hedge, and I'm going to give you just a bit from it. With inflation running rampant, unemployment falling, and wages soaring, the Jerome Powell-led Federal Reserve waited too long to reverse its ultra-low interest rate policies and a massive bond-buying program. This delay has now been called a mistake by Ben Bernanke. Seems like there is some division in the ranks. Now, when you hear the term massive bond-buying program, essentially what the Federal Reserve is doing is literally creating currency out of thin air in order to buy bonds. Now, Bernanke was on CNBC. He was interviewed on the Squawk Box show that I'm sure many of the listeners are familiar with. And he was being interviewed by Andrew Ross Sorkin. So he told Sorkin this, and I'm quoting now Bernanke, quote, The question is, why did they delay that? Why did they delay their response? I think in retrospect, yes, it was a mistake. So here is Ben Bernanke, arguably the father of currency creation. After the financial crisis, it was Ben Bernanke who said, the Federal Reserve is going to age and engage rather in this temporary program of quantitative easing. And now he says that easy money has lasted for too long. Bernanke said, referring to inflation, I think they, meaning the Fed, agree it was a mistake. Now he did go on to explain why he believes the Fed missed the window of opportunity to tighten to raise interest rates, and to cease currency creation. He said, quote, one of the reasons was they wanted not to shock the market. He also said, quote, Jay Powell was on my board during the temper, taper tantrum in 2013, which was a very unpleasant experience. He wanted to avoid that kind of thing by giving people as much warning as possible. 
and so that gradualism was one of several reasons why the Fed didn't respond more quickly to the inflationary pressure in the middle of 2021, Mr. Bernanke said. Now, Powell, of course, did get it wrong last year because Bernanke was saying they should have attacked this in 2021. But if you think back to what Mr. Powell was saying at that time, he was insisting at that time that inflation would be transitory. Inflation would not be persistent, which was a term he did use later. But at the time when Bernanke said that Powell should have been attacking this, Powell was saying it was transitory and inflation was due to the economy reopening. Now, we all know now that inflation was not transitory. If you've been listening to this program for a long time, you know that we said it wouldn't be transitory. It would be persistent, and that's exactly where we are today. And you all know that if you've been to the grocery store or you've been to the lumber company of late. Now, the Fed is behind the curve. Bernanke is now admitting it. We all know they're behind the curve. Half-point rate increases are probably not going to get us there. They're probably not going to make a significant impact on inflation. So where should interest rates be? Well, there's a gentleman by the name of John Taylor, who in 1992 came up with something called the Taylor Rule. Now, interestingly, I did some research and Ben Bernanke wrote a piece in 2015 saying how John Taylor's made a lot of great contributions, but the Taylor Rule, essentially, he didn't agree with. Well, the Taylor Rule essentially just gives a guide as to where interest rates should be when inflation is above target. Now, the same Zero Hedge article that I was talking about said that the Taylor Rule at this point suggests that the Fed funds rate the, the interest rate charged by banks for overnight loans to one another should be 11% or more, not around 1%, the current level. Bernanke, not agreeing with the Taylor Rule and not mentioning it in this article, but the Taylor Rule suggests that the Fed should aggressively raise interest rates from here. Now, a 10% increase in interest rates, according to the Taylor Rule, might subdue inflation, but imagine what that would do to stocks. Imagine what that would do to the real estate market. We're seeing it already in stocks. Bernanke, in a roundabout way, mentioned this in his interview that he did on CNBC with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Bernanke said this, quote, there's a lot of support for the fact that the Fed is tightening now, even though obviously we see the effects in the markets. You know, we'll see the effects in house prices as well. So Bernanke is saying when you raise interest rates, stocks are going to not like it. Stocks are going to decline. When you raise interest rates, real estate's not going to like it. Real estate is going to decline. The Federal Reserve is trying to have a soft landing. They're trying to navigate this, this very difficult, I would argue impossible path of taming inflation while avoiding recession. I think there's zero chance that they do that. In fact, I believe, uh, as I talked about uh, with my guest Harry Dent last week, uh, that we may be in a recession now. We're likely going to see a hard landing. And meanwhile, we're seeing 
consumer prices and the price of commodities continue to rocket higher. Last week on Thursday, wheat prices in Chicago rose 3.5%. Wheat is now at an all-time high of nearly $12 a bushel. That's about 20% higher than the all-time high. There's talk now about diesel being rationed on the East Coast this summer. Billionaire John Katsimatidis, who owns a refinery and he owns a chain of fuel stations, warned that we would likely see diesel shortages this summer as inventories have hit multi-decade lows and refining capacity is declining. He said, quote, I wouldn't be surprised to see diesel being rationed on the East Coast this summer. Right now, inventories are low and we may see a shortage in the coming months. Diesel prices last week hit a record high of $5.56 a gallon. That's according to the American Automobile Association. Gas prices are also now at a record of $4.42 a gallon. Wholesale inflation rose 11% in April year over year, more than economists had expected. And the Labor Department suggested that, you know, it was down from 11.2% in March, but still 11% up year over year. Now, if you're having a difficult time getting your arms around all this, all you need to do is look at a chart of wholesale inflation year over year. And you see for all of 2022, it's been above 10% year over year. And the chart is almost straight up as you look at a chart from uh, the left side of the chart to the right side of the chart. And it absolutely mirrors the chart of Federal Reserve currency creation. The Fed's balance sheet and inflation are nearly mere images of each other. So this is not rocket science. This is not surprising. When you create massive amounts of new currency, you will get inflation. And that's exactly what we have. Now, if you'd like to learn more about this topic, if you'd like to learn some strategies for your individual situation, I'd invite you to get the May special report titled How Evolving Money Affects Financial Markets. Be glad to send you the report as well as some bonus information. All you need to do is visit the website requestyourreport.com. Requestyourreport.com is the website, and I'll be very glad to send you the report. And again, all this timely bonus information. I'll be back after these words with my special guest, Dr. Charles Nenner. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me on today's program once again is returning guest, Dr. Charles Nenner. Uh, Dr. Nenner has uh, founded the Charles Nenner Research Center. He is a cycles expert, and his uh, market analysis and forecasting has been uncannily accurate over the years. And uh, Dr. Nenner, welcome back to the program. Pleasure to speak with you again. Thank you. There's a lot to talk about. There certainly is. So, Dr. Denner, let's just get started. For our listeners maybe that are not familiar with your work, can you explain a bit about your background and what it is that you do? Yes. Uh, so I'm a medical doctor, actually, and uh, uh, I joined a group that uh, many years ago, talking about the early 80s, uh, was doing research on uh, psychiatric problems all over the world, <clears throat> like when people become psychotic. Uh, and uh, we found out <clears throat> that not only uh, do they get in the same period psychotic, it doesn't matter if you're in New Zealand or you're in uh, 
Timbuktu, but also at certain intervals. So we could then predict when the next big uh, inflow of psychotic patients would come. We were used to that because when it's full moon, a lot of women give early birth. So you better have uh, a lot of people in the hospital. And it's not exactly clear why, but that's a fact where I think, you know, it's 100 years. So there's much more than uh, under the surface than we actually see. And that's how I started my research. So then uh, I was watching in New York uh, as, a, as a tourist, uh, the CNBC program, financial program. And they had all kinds of theories, as they still have, why markets go up and down. I says, well, that doesn't seem very much, you know, let's, let's check this out. So then I started to research it. And then I say, hey, things don't move at random. There are certain periods that markets go up and certain periods that markets go down. And even if a market goes up, it doesn't go up at random. You can calculate how high it goes up. So I did everything by hand. And then by the mid-80s, uh, there the, the were better computers. So then everything was computerized. And then I started my, uh, my career at Merrill Lynch. And in the 90s, I had my own firm in New York, and then I retired, and in 1997, I joined uh, Goldman Sachs, and I mostly was uh, uh, forecasting, and we call it market timing, uh, for the own investments of Goldman Sachs based on my system. And then uh, later, when Obama uh, didn't allow the own investments to be as big as they were before, because uh, they were afraid that the market would collapse again after 2008, uh, me and my partners and a lot of parts of Goldman Sachs left, and I started my own firm, doing the same thing as I did for Goldman Sachs. So, Dr. Nenner, you made a statement, uh, markets don't move at random. I've had the pleasure of interviewing in the past Bernard Melkiel, who wrote a book called A Random Walk Down Wall Street. He would yeah. very much disagree with that statement, so give our listeners... Uh, your explanation, how did you conclude that markets don't move at random? Well, for instance, we were at zero stocks uh, by the end of uh, last year because cycles stopped. And then there were no signs of, uh, of uh, any, any top at the moment. Later came uh, all kinds of ideas like, like Ukraine or whatever, and we're still in zero stocks. Uh, we have been out of the bond market for the last, I think it's already down 20, 25%. And I've been warning about people, you know, don't stay in bonds because the cycle is turning turning uh, down. Uh, but since there was a bond market for 40 years, people fell asleep. And even the brokers had never seen a bear market in bonds. And it works for gold and currencies. Now, if somebody says uh, there is that things move at random, it's because he doesn't see the pattern. So we give the exact date uh, on a weekly, monthly, and daily basis. We even have an intraday surface, so we can even say a quarter past two. The S&P will go up for two and a half hours or until the next morning at nine o'clock. And uh, I challenge him to look at our dates and our levels and then still think things don't move at random. It's the same story as the black swan theory. You know, I forgot his name now. The gentleman who wrote the book about the Black Swan Theory, he says, well, there are major occurrences that we don't know in advance, and they really have a big influence on the, on the equity markets. Well, the only thing I can say, you don't know them in advance. It doesn't mean that, that 
that they don't exist is the same thing. I still look sometimes at CNBC uh, that they say, well, uh, Mr. Ware, what is the next low on the on the on the Dow Jones? And he says, I don't know, but nobody knows. And I challenged him a couple of times, why don't you bring on people who know? And if they, at least they say exactly when, and they can be proven wrong, but if you have people say nobody knows, then you educate the small investor that nobody knows, and that's why he's losing money. And that's why I, I always urge people, you have a free 30-day trial, and at least look that it's not at random. Uh, we know exactly what happens and when it happens. Yeah, and I'll urge the listeners, if you'd like to learn more, you can go to charlesnenner.com. That's charlesnenner.com. So, Dr. Nenner, would it be fair to say that cycles exist because human behavior is somewhat predictable, or at least uh, the behavior of collective groups of humans tends to be predictable? Yes, they equalize each other out. So let me give one example. Let's say you own IBM and you bought it at 100, and it's now at 150, and IBM comes out with a great result. Now, will the, will, will, the, will the stock go up or down? So that's an interesting thing. I mean, a lot of people got caught. This is why does the stock go down when the results are good? So the explanation is, if the cycle is up, then IBM has to go up, and the Wall Street Journal will write, uh, the results were excellent, and people poured in to buy IBM. Uh, so how does IBM go down? Well, if the results are very good, and the cycle now is down, then IBM goes down with good results, and the Wall Street Journal will write, the investor doesn't think IBM does better next next year, and they took profit. So as long as you don't know what the interpretation of the news is, the news is not even interesting for you. And the interpretation is, as you, as you totally uh, mentioned just now, is totally, totally correct. It depends on mass psychology, and mass psychology doesn't change. So what you have to know is that when the mass psychology is positive and then when it's negative, and when it starts to be negative, then people come up with anything that can bring down the market that was already there maybe half a year before, but nobody was worried, so they didn't even look at it. But once cycles are down, then they come up with anything that can go wrong, and then the market goes down. Uh, but the insiders are already out a long time because they understand it's not because of the news, it's because something else is going on. So, Dr. Nenner, when you start looking at cycles for each market, you mentioned bonds, you, you know, we could look at the S&P 500, we could look at Bitcoin. Uh, are the cycles uh, that exist in each market unique to each market? Are the time frames unique to each market? Fill our listeners in. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're unique. We also do separate stocks. If they want uh, the request, we can show them that uh, the cycle stopped exactly at the high of Facebook before it came down like $150. The cycle stopped exactly on Netflix. It came down, I think, $500. When it when it topped, uh, I don't know by heart. I think it was six hundred dollars. Nobody knew that it would come down. The cycles knew it would come down, and half a year later, or maybe even a year later, the news comes out, and now everybody knows why it came down. But now it's too late. Uh, so that's that's the interesting interesting thing with the, with the study of cycles and the study of uh, market behavior. So. If you're going to analyze a particular market, and, and in the next segment, I'll just tell the listeners, we're going to get Dr. Nenner's forecast for a number of different markets, including probably some of the assets you have in your IRAs and 401ks. But if you're going to, Dr. Nenner, go back and, and, and try to 
figure out cycles? I mean, without giving away the secret sauce, how do you go about that? Well, you can, when I did it by hand, I took a chart, let's say, of 100 years of Dow Jones. And then I look at major tops that, I'm just giving an example, right? Uh, that maybe were 30 years uh, apart. Well, let's take a cycle of 100 years. You know, there was this, uh, a cycle in the 1907, uh, and there was a, a top, and there was a, a cycle top in 1807, and there was a, type, a, a top in 2007. And I give away another secret. Every time a year ends in the number seven, uh, you have, an, have, a, have a substantial market decline. Uh, why that happens with the seven, that's a whole other story, but people can look it up. So then you have, let's say, a cycle for 100 years. And then within the 100 years, you look at market tops and market bottoms, and you say, oh, every 12 years, there's a top, and every six years is a bottom. And then within the six years, you find a small top, and you find a smaller cycle. And then if all the cycles top together, like they did right now, uh, the beginning of the year, then you have a major down move. Uh, I showed uh, to my subscribers that the cycles looked exactly the same as in 2008. So I said we're going to get at least the situation like we had in 2007-2008. Uh, and that's how you, how, you, how you do the research. Now, the same thing happens if you look intraday. It's very interesting. My programs can uh, look for, uh, for intraday cycles, so it can tell you in the morning if the market goes up and down, how many hours it goes up, and how many points it goes up. So it makes it a very uh, secure way of investing and takes away all the emotions that mostly people have and that bothers them by having a good uh, result of investing. So, Dr. Nenner, in the minute or so we have left in the segment, I'll tell the listeners you can get 30 days free uh, and see Dr. Nenner's work firsthand, no cost, charlesnenner.com. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, what your work is. Do you tell people what to invest in, how to invest, uh, or do you focus mainly on markets? Well, we do the different markets, but we make sure that we have always an excellent uh, rate of return. So uh, how are we positioned in this market? We were long UNG, that is following the natural gas. We were long USO, that's following the crude market. And we were short Bitcoin, and we had zero stocks. Still, uh, we expect that there could be a small bounce now, but this down move goes much longer and much further. So we tell them in which asset class to go. And, uh, for instance, we're looking now to start a new bull move in gold and silver. Not yet. It's not ready yet. But we know when it, when it is ready. So we don't have to look every day what we think. We can really wait for a nice buying opportunity and just wait in cash like we are now until we see the gold and the silver cycles bottom, and then we can make a nice uh, up move in, uh, in metals. Well, my guest today is Dr. Charles Nenner. You can learn more about his work at charlesnenner.com. I'll continue my conversation with Dr. Nenner when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. You are listening to Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. I have the pleasure of chatting today once again with Dr. Charles Nenner, he is the founder of the Charles Nenner Research Institute. You can learn more about his work at charlesnenner.com, and he's offering the listeners 30 days of his service for free. So, Charles, in this segment, let's jump in and talk a little bit about markets. You had mentioned in the last segment, and for our listeners that are just joining us, 
Dr. Nenner mentioned that he had been short Bitcoin. So you were betting on a Bitcoin downturn. How much lower does it go from here in your view? Well, you know, we already went, went short at uh, around 65,000, and we had a target just, just around 25,000, which we hit. <clears throat> so we're not short anymore. <clears throat> Excuse me. The cycle is still down, so I don't tell people go long. The risk is still, uh, is still there. Um, for the moment, there could be a small bounce, but it's not, it's not the place to be the Bitcoin. The, the, the problem right is now there's actually nowhere to be. Uh, I think real estate is, is stopping. I don't think so. I, I, I know because if you look at, at stocks that we follow, like Toll Brothers or Lennar, they show the same pattern as in 2006, 2007. They're already down like 25, 30%. And usually the, uh, the housing market uh, follows one year later. <laughs> so bond market is still could see a bounce, but it's, it's not over because the cycle uh, that we follow is a 30-year cycle. And it just turned up. That means for 30 years we will have high interest rates and inflation. So that, that's going to be a big mess. And the long-term cycle on the stock market is also down. The only thing that looks uh, promising is the, the, the gold and silver market, but like I said, not yet. Um, and it's very hard to, to, to know where to invest and how to get the rate of return because I know the problem is that because of the inflation, the buying power goes down if you're in cash. But we're still doing better in cash than in other uh, assets. Dr. Nenner, you just said something that I'm sure got the attention of many of our listeners. You said that we're going to have high inflation and high interest rates for 30 years. Can you explain? Right. Well, there's a, there's a cycle, very clear cycle of 30 years, uh, and uh, it bottoms already. So the deflationary this, this, this uh, cycle with low interest rates are, are finished. Uh, I get a bit upset by uh, the threat that says, well, we look at the next... Uh, Results are coming out. They don't even have to. Uh, they don't even understand about longer term cycle. It's amazing to me. Uh, also, politicians and, and the president. Nobody understands about longer term cycle. It's not that uh, there is a reason why we have some inflation. Of course, if the stock goes down, there's always a reason why the stock goes down. But that's usually not the real reason. If the market goes down, it goes down, and we find the reason. So inflation is going to go much higher. I think we go at least back to the situation in the 80s. Uh, I don't know if most, most of your listeners are, uh, are uh, remembering that they were uh, born by that time, but that was a very difficult time with very high interest rates and very high inflation. Um, and why the cycle is 30 years? That, that, again, is one of the mystical things of nature. Uh, it's in the creation of nature. And, again, if things move at random, you can never predict anything. And you will listen to the news uh, next uh, next morning and try to make a decision. And if they don't move at random, then you have to check if the people who say it doesn't move at random can prove that it doesn't move at random. And then it's very easy to invest. Uh, but the, the level of, of, uh, of information that we get in the media is such that everybody's convinced that you don't know it. Because like I said before, uh, if they got a pundit up and he doesn't know it, but actually nobody knows. And again, I don't know why they get him uh, to speak up if he doesn't know. They should bring in people who do know. So let's talk a little bit about real estate. You mentioned it in passing. Uh, fundamentally speaking, we've seen an increase in interest rates. Uh, I think a 30-year 
mortgage uh, began a calendar year 2022 at about 2.75 percent. We're now up north of five at like 5.3 percent. Fundamentally speaking, that has to negatively impact the real estate market. And it sounds like your cycles are confirming that that will be the case. Yeah, on top of that, I think we're going at least in the recession, maybe worse. So the problem you lately have is that the GDP doesn't look good and inflation is, is up. And the Fed doesn't really know what to do. They're much behind the curve. They're too late. And uh, it's going to be a messy situation. So when you say recession may be worse, can you elaborate? Well, maybe worse. I mean that we, we had a situation that uh, we had this different Fed uh, presidents who knew things were not going to end well, but they decided not in my lifetime. So they kept interest rates low. Even in Europe now, uh, I have some euros in the bank, and there are negative interest rates. That means is I have to pay for my money to be kept in the bank. It cost me about a quarter of a percent. Uh, the totally of uh, with, with inflation is also eight nine percent. They have no clue what they're doing, and you get to a situation that it cannot be fixed anymore. So that's 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 why it's going to be a very bad situation. Uh, uh, for years, people said it's going to come, it's going to come, and cycle shows it's not going to come, but now it's going to come. So do you see um, a complete reset uh, of the financial system, potentially? Well, I hear that word a lot, but I don't know exactly what it means. You well, can help me out. Yeah, let me be more specific. Do you see that uh, the current uh, banking system that exists in the United States will... Uh, maybe move away, and, and around the world, will, will it move away from a fractionalized banking system? And will we move back to uh, a currency system that maybe is based on gold and silver as opposed to fiat currencies? Well, then you get such a, I calculated that, that it would, will go back to the gold standard. Gold should be around 48000 right now. So that will be a totally crazy situation. Um, I don't think they're going to do that. I, I really don't know what, how they think to solve the problem. I don't know what you do if you get into a recession and inflation starts. My first uh, next target is 12%. Uh, in a year, year and a half, we can go to 20%. What are you going to do? Uh, you know, they had this problem before. And I don't know if you remember, they had to wait to Volkert, who was emotionally strong enough to say, this is going to stop. I'm going to do something. And he broke the cycle. Now, the interesting thing is he broke the cycle exactly when it was supposed to break. So the question is, did he do something or not? So the answer is that they voted somebody in, like Volcker, uh, right on the time that, that the cycle had to turn. It's, it's very interesting how these things go. At that time, maybe you remember, we first had Carter, and it was followed by Reagan. And whatever Carter did went wrong, uh, you know, even when he tried to, uh, to, to get people out of Iran, the helicopters uh, collided, and there was, it, there was a big mess. And then came Reagan, and then everything went well. So why did Reagan, was, uh, why, how did he come to power? Because the cycle was turning up, and then uh, the people, uh, people felt more positive, and that's why they, uh, they didn't vote for the grumpy Carter, but they, they voted for somebody more positive, like Reagan. And Reagan was lucky because the cycle turned up. So according to me, whoever would have been president would have done well. Clinton had more or less the same situation on, on, on a cycle that was up. Biden is now in a cycle that is down, uh, not that I think much of him, but on top of that, whatever he does is going to go wrong because the cycle is down. 
So let's talk about in the time we have left uh, where you see stocks going and, you know, the S&P 500, the Dow, any of the major indices. Um, you said the cycle really topped at the beginning of the year. Uh, right. how, lo how low do we go here? Well, I think we can definitely go to 15,000 on the Dow Jones and probably lower. And the cycle is down for another year and a half, maybe two years. Uh, like I said, we're going to have some, uh, probably have some upside the next couple of weeks, but then later in the year it will come down again. And uh, talking fundamentally, uh, not on cycles, but I don't don't pretend to know more about fundamentals than other people. Is why would you own stocks if if the profits of the companies go down and inflation goes up and interest rates go up? I I don't understand how people can say, well, we're looking for a bottom. There has to be some some sense in why you would, would be long stocks. So even from, from a fundamental point of view, I don't understand how people will want to be long stocks. The only thing that will happen is you got the bear market rally because people are covering the short. And then uh, people take the next chance to lighten up if they're still long. So let's talk about gold and silver. You mentioned that uh, you believe that the up cycle on gold and silver is coming. Uh, but not quite yet. So uh, give us your perspective there, please. Well, the best thing is to follow the research, uh, but uh, the, the interesting thing is that everybody was was jumping to get back into gold, and as long as people are jumping to gold, they go back into gold, it doesn't go up, and people are very disappointed. I guess they get now a little bit disappointed. Then uh, that goes to, together with a cycle low, uh, that could come in one or two months. And then uh, why people are going into gold? Maybe we have another interview, and then, you know, it's, it's known why they go into gold. Right now, I wouldn't know why gold doesn't go up because there's inflation, and I don't know why in a couple of months gold should go up. Uh, but actually, that's not what I deal with uh, because then you get distracted. The only thing that I want to know is what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. So in one or two months, we should start a new boom, boom move up in gold, and we're sitting in cash and uh, waiting for the move to start. So, Dr. Nanner, you had mentioned that if we went back to a gold standard, you extrapolated what that would mean as far as the gold price per ounce, and I think you said $48,000 per ounce. That Correct. seems amazing. Is that your upside target? No, my upside target is 2500 for the moment, so I don't think it's going to happen. And if we go to 2500 you see, the cycle is up for another uh, another five years, so we we'll probably get a higher price target once we reach two and a half thousand. What's your target for silver? I don't have to ready. I must honestly tell you because uh, uh, the, the, the investment firms and the pension funds that I work with are more interested in gold and silver. We follow silver four times a week, but I haven't done the long-term outlook. Well, fair enough. Well, my guest today has been Dr. Charles Nenner. He is the founder of the Charles Nenner Research Institute. You can learn more at charlesnenner.com. Uh, you can also get 30 days of his work for free and try it out. You can do that at charlesnenner.com. And Dr. Nenner, always a pleasure to catch up with you. And I know the listeners always appreciate your, your perspective and your insights. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. We'll do it again soon. We will. We will return after these words. This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I'm Dennis Tubergen, and thanks again to Dr. Charles Nenner for joining me on today's program. If you haven't yet requested the May special report, 
it digs into the idea that as currency changes, as currency is devalued, there are predictable changes that occur in investing markets. That's really a lot of what I talked to Dr. Charles Nenner today about as well. I'd like to send you this report. It'll give you some thoughts as to what you might consider when it comes to your IRA and 401k. Just visit the website, requestyourreport.com, and I'll get you a free copy of that report. I'll also get you bonus information that I think you'll find timely in light of today's volatile financial markets. Again, requestyourreport.com is the website. Egon von Greyerts, whose work I follow, uh, recently, just this past week, talked about the predicament that really Western banks and the Western financial system is in. He talked about the relationship between politics and money, and I thought the article had a really terrific perspective, and I thought it put where we are today uh, in the right light. He said this, politics and money cannot be separated and the geopolitical situation that has now arisen will act as a perfect catalyst to the end of the monetary era since the creation of the Fed in 1913. So in 1913, for our listeners that may not be familiar, President Wilson signed into law the Federal Reserve Act, which put private bankers in charge of U.S. monetary policy. Here we are 109 years later, nearly 109 years later, I should say, and those private bankers are still in charge of U.S. monetary policy. Now, Von Greyer said this, quote, America's and the European Union's final desperate attempt to save their broken system by sanctions on the world trade will eventually fail as the Western economies gradually decay in an economic and social breakdown brought about by a quagmire of currency collapse, deficits, debt, and history's most epic of asset bubbles. Now, if you think about debt in the United States, Von Greyerts shows some numbers here, quotes some statistics that are simply remarkable. In 1971, U.S. debt was $1.7 trillion. 1971 is a year we offer in reference here on the program because that's when then-President Richard Nixon eliminated the link between the dollar and gold. In August of 1971, the dollar went from being an asset to being loaned into existence. So in 1971, U.S. debt was $1.7 trillion, and here we are about 50 years later, and it's $90 trillion. That's a 53-fold increase. In 50 years, debt has increased 53 times. Now, Von Greyerts makes a pretty interesting point. He said, empires normally suffer a drawn-out and painful death. The fall of the U.S. and the West has certainly been long, starting over a half century ago. I just shared the numbers with you. But the fake prosperity has benefited a small elite and lumbered the masses with colossal debts. We've talked here on the program many times that currency creation actually expands the wealth gap. Now, Ernest Hemingway had a very interesting quote about where we are now. He said this, The first panacea of a mismanaged nation is inflation of the currency. The second is war. 
Both bring a temporary prosperity, both bring a permanent ruin, but both are the refuge of political and economic opportunists. I know many people listening to that program today are probably not going to like that quote, but I happen to think that Ernest Hemingway hit it dead on. Von Greyerd said, For over a half a century, the U.S. has destroyed its currency and initiated unprovoked military actions in numerous countries, virtually all of them unsuccessful. Yes, Von Greyerd said, the U.S. has certainly experienced a temporary false prosperity, but could only be achieved with deficits, debt, and printing fake money. He talked about the fact that Nixon closed the gold window in 1971 because of the massive cost of the failed Vietnam War. Nixon, in his speech, when he eliminated the redemptions of the U.S. dollar for gold, said this, the strength of the currency is based on the strength of the economy. Now, if you take a look at what's actually happened to the U.S. dollar since that time, the currency has lost 98% in real terms when you compare it to gold, and the federal debt has grown from $400 billion to more than $30 trillion. That's a 75-fold increase. Now get this. It took 22 years for the debt to expand by $15 trillion. So starting in 1971, it took until 1993 for the debt to expand by $15 trillion. And just in the last two years, the debt is up by the same amount of $15 trillion. We are rapidly approaching a point at which we're going to have to deal with the debt. Now, Von Greyerts talked about the fact that the current monetary system, he says the current fake monetary system is based on over $300 trillion of global debt plus worthless paper assets in the form of derivatives to the extent of around $2 quadrillion. And he said this is going to have to collapse in the coming years under its own worthless weight. Von Greyerd says that future observers and historians will write many books on a system of smoke and mirrors with fake money, fake paper, grossly overvalued assets, all creating the most colossal asset bubble in history. Von Greyerd says that China and Russia will be the kernel of the future world economy because China has the manufacturing base and Russia has natural resources. And between the two, that's a $75 trillion base. They also have the largest uh, gold production between the two countries and their gold reserves exceed 20,000 tons. The U.S. purportedly has 8,000 tons. However, it hasn't been audited since 1953. Now, I tell you all this because we are in a, an economic environment that is unlike any economic environment that really anyone in the past has had to plan around or try to be successful in. And that's why I'm offering this month the May special report, How Evolving Money Affects Financial Markets. I'd be happy to send you a complimentary copy uh, there's no cost. There's no future obligation. Uh, we're all about education here at RLA Radio. Just visit the website, requestyourreport.com, and I'll be glad to send you a copy of the report. Um, I'll also send you some bonus information that I think you'll find to be timely. Again, requestyourreport.com. Also, if you're not participating in my weekly headline roundup newscast, it happens live every Monday at noon. 
just give the office a call at 866-921-3613, and we'd be glad to send you an invite to participate in that. That's all the time I have for this week. Hope you got something you can use. I'll be back again next week.